Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Australia, which basically means Jeep and Chrysler and Dodge and Fiat and Alfa Romeo, the full compendium of malodorous Euro-American bit players in our market, in other words, this fine umbrella organisation has started to get reviewers of their product to sign contracts in which the reviewer agrees not to say anything negative about the product. To me, this is a new low, even for them. And if you've ever wondered what it looks like to see a car reviewer struggling to do his job with his head in a friggin' vice, that's pretty much where we are. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Even Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Australia product, if you really want to do that to yourself. Anyway, dude, Australia only, website, card. Now, car reviewers and I, we have this North Korea, South Korea kind of relationship in which I play the part of North Korea by virtue of the nasty, nasty things that I say about them from time to time. All that gravy train, all those platinum frequent flyer points, all of that, just too much good friends and not enough impartial reviewing, right? So North Korea, South Korea, I'm Kim Jong-un, and yet, occasionally, when they want a dirty deed done dirt cheap, who are they going to call? This report is sponsored by NordVPN. I'm no IT expert, but I've seen enough, especially lately, about data breaches, scams and hacks to know that being online is inherently risky and potentially very costly. You don't have to be tech savvy to use NordVPN. It's a simple one-stop cybersecurity solution. One click and you are protected from hackers, malware and pop-ups across as many as six devices. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now and you'll get three to 12 months extra time on any two year subscription as part of Nord's 11th birthday celebration. Plus one more bonus month just for using the nordvpn.com slash AEJC link in the description. NordVPN is the world's fastest VPN and it only costs about as much as a cup of coffee every month to keep your data, your identity and your devices secure. NordVPN can also save you money because you can assign your virtual location to another country where, for example, flights and accommodation might be cheaper than they are back home. Same goes for streaming services. You can also access live sporting events and other content that may not be available where you actually live. That's a pretty small price to pay for cyber security, not to mention the potential savings also on the table. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now to get a huge discount off your plan plus a free 11th birthday gift and all that additional free subscription time. Totally risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash AEJC. Link in the description. And thanks to Nord for sponsoring this episode. I do love it when an unsolicited email appears in one's inbox lifting the lid on some truly dirty behaviour happening 
under the radar. And this happened to me within the past couple of days, and I've just been getting to the bottom of it. And here we are. I, of course, am not going to dump in it the identity of the person who leaked this information to me. It came in the form of a smartphone photograph of part of the loan agreement contract that a journalist signs when he picks up a review vehicle. And just so you know how this works in the background, car companies in Australia and most other developed markets have a dedicated fleet of vehicles in their inventory. And the sole purpose of this fleet is to give out to journalists and other quote unquote influencers for review. And when you pick up a vehicle of that nature, you drive to the least salubrious suburb in the city, and if you don't get mugged too badly on the way, you get to pick up the car and drive it home, which is a great way of wasting at least half a day of your life, in my case. So anyway, when you do that, of course, there is a form to fill out, and it is a contract that acknowledges what you agree to in terms of your interaction with that vehicle. It's got some pretty interesting clauses in it that make good sense, like you agree to abide by the laws and you'll be responsible for any fines that are incurred while the vehicle is in your charge and you agree not to knock off the Westpac branch in George Street and things of this nature. You agree to have a license and all of that stuff, right? So that they're covered and most of the terms and conditions are quite reasonable. But this agreement, which was leaked to me by person who I won't name, is, it's got one clause in it that my jaw just hit the floor. It, it so did. And I'll read it to you now. And I have no way to verify that this is actually a contract from Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, but it's it, it reeks of it. I've looked at the words around it, and it's if it's a fake, it's a good fake, okay? But I'm proceeding on good faith because I do know the person who leaked it to me, and I don't think they're a bullshitter. I just think they're outraged, and by virtue of this chummy association publishers have with car makers, they're unable to advocate against it in any meaningful way. So they had to send a carrier pigeon to North Friggin' Korea. And here we are. This is clause number 13. I'll put it up on the screen so that you can follow the bouncing ball if you like. And I'll read it once to you clean, and then I'll put a few definitions in place so that we're all on the same page. Clause 13, reputation. You, the journalist, undertake and warrant not to portray the vehicle in a negative light or ridicule the vehicle or do anything in any other way that may be reasonably viewed to disparage or denigrate, reduce or diminish the good name and reputation and or the goodwill of FCAA's business and or compromise the integrity of Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Australia and or the Chrysler Jeep Dodge Fiat or Alfa Romeo brands. How do you do a review without portraying the vehicle in a negative light? Like this is the first thing you agree to in this clause. Isn't some criticism necessary in a fair and balanced review? Like you dude, you've got 60 grand in your buttocks, against your buttocks, adjacent to your buttocks. They're burning a hole in your Levi's and 
does a little bit of criticism not validate, for example, any praise that might be in a review? And then what? Anyway, we'll get into all of this, but let's just get the definitions right. You undertake and warrant. Warrant means you guarantee, right? So that's kind of unequivocal. You guarantee not to portray the vehicle in a negative light. Negative light just means make it look bad, okay? Or ridicule the vehicle. So I guess you can... You can skip that step of going to Bunnings and getting a little bit of spray paint and doing the caricature of genitalia down the side and doing all the shots like that. However compelling this idea seems in the moment. Or do anything in any other way that may be reasonably viewed to disparage, which means to paint something in the light of it having little value. Or denigrate, which means criticise unfairly. And to that I would opine, who the fuck is the arbiter of fairness in criticism. Who's gonna, who is gonna be the dude who decides what criticism is fair and what ain't? Anywho, or reduce or diminish the good name, blah, blah, blah. All of that is pretty self-explanatory. So let's get into that and what that actually means for you if you're digesting review content and you want to make a decision about the right new car, which is a big financial undertaking that typically will lock you in for a period of three to five years, maybe more. This means that every vehicle that you see, every Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Australia vehicle that you see reviewed in the media henceforth is going to flow from a loan of the vehicle that will not occur unless somebody representing the publisher of that content signs this contract and agrees to clause 13 as well as all of the other clauses about not doing a bank job etc you got to ask yourself therefore how trustworthy is that review like how much can you use a review like that to make a balanced decision about what is the right vehicle for you, right? Not to portray the vehicle in a negative light, to make it look bad, in other words. Does that mean, for example, if you are a publisher and you're going to do a multi-car comparison, three, four-car comparison, does that mean it's got to win? Because in a four-car comparo, of which I've done bazillions in my career, there's a one winner and three losers. That's how it works. Now, there's context in all of that. Some vehicles are good at this, some vehicles are good at that. The winning vehicle might not be so good at this, but it's better than the others at that and that and that. There's context, but essentially, if you distill it down to its core message, a four-car Comparo has a winner and three losers. It's just like the men's 100-metre sprint in the Olympics, right? There's however many lanes, what eight lanes or something, there's one guy who wins and seven no-names. Nobody can roll off the tongue the seven people who are all stupendously elite athletes. One winner, seven losers, whatever. Is that what that means, this contract? How about if you go back in time? I don't know if you remember this, but just before Christmas in uh, 2015, a uh, journal, a uh, car reviewing journal I rate as a, a good reviewer and a good bloke named Peter Barnwell. He picked up a Ford Everest and he had it on test for a week because that's typically how uh, loans of vehicles uh, in this domain work. You pick a vehicle up for a week and then you give it back filthy and empty a week later, you know. He picked up a Ford Everest on, I think it was the 9th of December or something, don't quote me. And anyway, he's driving it around. 
fucking thing catches fire, like, and it burns to the ground. And, you know, there's a news.com.au report. I'll put it on the screen if I can find it. And no one was hurt. So it's just a bit, it's reportable, it's newsworthy, it's the ghost of Pinto, but hey, if we'd been subject to that kind of agreement in this case, Mr Barnwell would not have been able to make any jokes about ghost of Pinto, hashtag ridicule, right? He probably would not even have been able to report this incident if he wanted to remain bound by the contract, right? So there's that, okay? So are you barred from re from reporting things of that nature? You'd pick up a brand new Jeep Cherokee and it uh, burns to the ground in the middle of the Harbour Bridge. Everyone else is going to report it. It's going to be captured by a bazillion smartphones. But you're going to be contractually bound not to portray the vehicle in a negative light. Give me a break. Let's talk about another salient Jeep characteristic, for example, and that would be the sky-high repair cost of these things. If I was in the market for a new car, I'd want to know about that. But you wouldn't be able to say anything about that, would you? You wouldn't be able to refer back to the evidence, such as, do you remember the case of Danny and Catherine Lawrence? They bought a 2013 Grand Cherokee, they bought it in 2015, so it was a late model used car at the time, and they were subsequently hit with a Forty-seven and a half thousand, I think, but nearly fifty thousand dollar repair bill for that vehicle, and the repair was obviously worth more than the car was worth at the time. Had the car been functional, and the Lawrence family were fortunate in that they were so photogenic for tabloid gold. Like everyone wants to do dodgy dealer as a category of um, story. This is certainly in that genre. And they're photogenic, so they're reportable. They're battlers, so they're reportable. Big companies throwing them under the bus, which was exactly Fiat Chrysler Automobiles in Australia, automobile intent at the time, to throw them under the bus and say, well, take it or leave it. If you want your car fixed, that's what it's going to cost. But the mainstream tabloid press picked it up and Fiat Chrysler was forced to go into damage control and pay for the repair, or at least absorb the cost of the repair for the Lawrence family, but not before the damage had been done. And they probably didn't want to blip on the ACCC's radar again. We'll get to that, okay? This business about negative light make it look bad too. What about subjective determinations? Because if you're a reviewer, there's two parts to your review. There's the facts, which are pretty hard to get wrong. There's like how many seats, what's the engine power, things of that nature. Does it have a space saver spare tyre? Should be pretty straightforward, and for most reviewers it is. And then there's all the subjectivity. It's the making comparisons, and it's the what you think of the styling kind of thing, right? In the domain of subjectivity, I would have thought you allowed your opinion. Does the vehicle appear to you to have been clubbed with repeatedly with the ugly stick, for example? If you said that, that might be your honest opinion, and you know most people might agree with you, but you'd be contractually bound not to say it. And if you say it in a funny way, you open the door to the ridicule clause as well, don't you? So there's that. I should clarify that car companies and most companies in Australia cannot sue for defamation. You have to have 10 employees or fewer or be not-for-profit to be able to sue for defamation. So 
even if they could sue for defamation, like if you're talking about a person, for example, you have to be pretty careful when you do that in the public domain, even on Twitter, right? But you are allowed honest opinion about matters of public interest, and as long as you tell the world that your opinion that this is your opinion and you're not dressing it up and presenting it as if it's a fact you tell people it's your opinion you tell them the basis on which you're making this determination you don't have to have a moderate view it doesn't have to be fair or balanced it just has to be honestly held in a matter of public interest and be based on true facts that you present so that the audience knows where you're coming from so even in that case, you're allowed honest opinion if you want to unfairly criticise another member of society. But if you sign this contract, you can't do that in the case of Fiat Chrysler. So it does seem to be a tremendous erosion of free speech to me. You know, you might say in a review, here's a good example of how this could bite you on the arse potentially if you've signed this contract. You could say about a Grand Cherokee that, yeah, it's a great car and I love driving it, but if you're thinking about using it for outback touring, a Toyota is probably going to be more reliable and Toyota has many more service agents in truly remote places. Both of these are fairly true statements and but even if they're not even if they're just your opinion you, you should be free to say that and th voicing that is of interest and value to your audience because if you're sitting out there thinking about buying a grand cherokee and driving off to dingo piss creek to go and see all the other toyota owners out there then considerations about reliability and where you will get servicing or repairs done should you need them that's a valuable thing to blip on your radar and yet in the case of jeep reviews into the future for example the reviewer will not be able to make determinations like this if they care about maintaining their fidelity to the contract okay and to me this is a serious downgrade in the quality of the review to you and what's the point in doing a review if it's not for you if it's just a suck fest between the borrower, the publisher, and the car maker, why detain you with it? You're just a statistic to justify the importance of the publisher to the car company that lends the journalist the vehicle. That's how else does this work? If you want to talk about ridicule and contempt and being dismissive and reducing the reputation and goodwill, etc., which is in there, can you mention the sales catastrophe? Because Jeep has had the, and the other uh, malodorous brands, has had the most profound sales catastrophe since 2014. Like, they sold about 30,000 vehicles. It was 30,408 in 2014. And last year, they sold 6,658. So what's that? About 700, uh, about 75% uh, reduction in sales from their peak to last year and they've been even lower than that I think in 2020 it was about five and a half thousand so they've fallen off a cliff last year Chrysler sold just 79 vehicles Fiat sold 357 Alpha sold 571 and Dodge was not even on the list the official sales list from T-Dub and the Spice Girls so I've got to presume that their sales for two years were zero, so there you go. What happened in between 2014 and now to cause that? 
Well, not that you'd be able to report any of this if you signed that contract, but Teg Sethi, the Tegster, he made an epic video when Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Australia attempted to throw him under the bus. You should watch it at least once. The video is called, I Made a Mistake, I Bought a Lemon Jeep. And it's had 2.6 million views since 2015. And it's splashed all over the mainstream media as well. Teg was live on Sunrise, etc., talking it up. And he deserves to too. It's very clever, it's easy to watch, and the messaging is particularly powerful because he didn't do it like this. He did it in a kind of funny, offhand way. And I think that kind of satirical approach really cuts through, you know, the lyrics. My favourite quote, Chrysler makes its money out of bullying the consumer. Is that not just the ultimate knee in the corporate nuts? Yes. As far as the chorus goes, the chorus is, I made a mistake and bought a Jeep. Don't you make a mistake and buy a Jeep, yeah. Okay, it's, it's hardly... Something in the way she moves reminds me of no other lover. It's not like, I see trees of green, red roses too. It's none of that, but it is pretty clever and it's quite watchable. And so far, 2.6 million people have got this message. So there's that. And at the other end of the spectrum, when it comes to the public perception of brands like Fiat Chrysler, the ACCC in 2015 published the findings of its two-year investigation into the misconduct of that brand. And ultimately what happened there was that they did get a bit of a pull-through, but they sidestepped massive seven-figure fines by agreeing to a corporate compliance program. They appointed some lawyer to be a notionally independent arbiter there, and they did some reviews as well. They, they undertook, um, signed a court enforceable undertaking, I think, to do reviews of complaints that had been, that they denied over the past couple of years kind of thing. But this paints to a body of evidence in the free market in the public perception, public consciousness, if you like, that they're a dog brand, okay? And that options are, you could undog yourself, make the product better, deal with people better, or you could just keep getting your lawyers to put grubby clauses like this in contracts that effectively gag fair comment about the product. And it's very disappointing, I think, to see that that's where we that's where we're at here in Australia, whereas we could just be in a better place if they organically improved and paid more heed to things like integrity. Let's talk about reliability and what you might or might not be able to say about reliability if you sign this contract, because reliability is a big deal and it's a major question mark to anybody who is actually thinking about buying a Jeep for example, or any of those other FCAA brands. If you sign that contract, I don't see how you could talk about the US uh, website and consumer agency consumer reports, which found Jeep to be one of the less reliable brands. Now, consumer reports doesn't have skin in the game. They just report this stuff. In the list for worst car brands of 2019, for example, Jeep ranked eighth eighth worst car brand in Miracle. 
with responsibility for that being laid at the feet of the Jeep Cherokee and the Compass, both of which placed poorly on Consumer Reports' worst SUVs of 2019 list. Painting the vehicle in a negative light by telling the truth about its reliability. So my take on this and something that I think you should consider if you're going to watch reviews of those brands into the future is how is this not just an example of more disgraceful conduct from Fiat Chrysler Automobiles Australia when perhaps they should just go on a mission of uh, inner discovery and rekindle their association if they ever had it with integrity. Okay, that's part number one. Part number two is how many of the soft cock motoring media is going to be motivated by this contract to do even more self-censorship of the things that they say in their official reviews? Because I don't think Fiat Chrysler is ever going to sue a journalist for breach of this clause of the contract, mainly because if they did, it runs the risk of severely amplifying the message because car company sues journalist for voicing honest opinion is a very bad look and a whole bunch of the media would just pick that up and amplify it and serve it back up to them on a plate if they did proceed in this way. I think this clause is just a threat. It's leverage. It says you've agreed to this Therefore, censor the shit out of yourself even harder. That's what it says. But in any case, it's doing you a complete disservice if a journalist decides not to say fair, balanced, but critical and negative things about any product. I do hope this receives widespread community opprobrium because I hope it's not the thin end of the wedge. Can you imagine if every other company that seeks the involvement of the press to amplify its message. Can you imagine if they start introducing clauses of this nature? You can't come to our press conference unless you agree to say only nice things, for example. Like, come on. That's positively Orwellian. Why do we even need the press at all? And in that situation, they'd only be functioning as a proxy for the PR department in any case. And that really would suck if you're using review type content or news reportage to make decisions about what you're going to buy, how you're going to vote, what policies you think you should stand behind, etc. Okay. And finally, where the fucking hell is Paul Barry on Media Watch? They've got a squad of investigators who whose only job is to look at what's happening in the media domain and report on fundamentally unethical and, you know, distasteful things of this nature. When it comes to motoring and things like that and the potential for this to really be the thin end of the wedge, it seems to me that Media Watch is doing exactly what the ACCC does most of the time, and that would be punch out a big, fat stack of Zs.